Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and I'm joined down the line once again by Joel Sked. Hello. Hello. And as you can probably guess, since it's the two of us and probably since you've also read the name of this podcast, we're going to be talking through the 12 best central midfielders in the Scottish Premiership at the moment. And this is certainly the hardest. It always proves to be the hardest. And uh, this year was no exception whatsoever. In fact, this may be the hardest year we've ever done so far. It's, it's actually ludicrous because been yesterday, writing down the names or typing them out, I was like, okay, okay, that's uh, that that's fine. Oh, I've only got to the end of the old firm, so uh, now I've got to fit uh, more players into this ever increasing list. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. So we've actually. We've brought in some measures this time, and what we've done is we've limited the amount of players allowed that are playing, or, or, that when the, the shutdown happened, were playing for Celtic or Rangers. So we're limited to three each. So yeah, it's maybe not a definitive list of the top 12, but we didn't want to just, since we're not actually doing the list this year on the, on the Scotsman, we didn't want to just spend the entire podcast talking about players from, from two clubs, and that's pretty much what it would have been. I mean, I have to think that we would have had nine or ten in total yeah. from, from just from just two teams. So we, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to spread it around. We've always been a bit, you know, a bit more democratic on this than you maybe used to from your average Scottish football show. So we wanted to continue in that vein. And so, like I say, we've got three players from each. And that was basically, basically I'm saying Greg Docker is going to count not in the Rangers players. He's going to count as a Hibs player. Uh, so it's three each playing at the time of the lockdown for either of the old firm. But before we get to that, we have a couple of players to talk about that are from the old firm because we've kind of done it in 
So we made a list of, of all firm players uh, that, we, that would get consideration. And then in order to decide who would go in, who would make the six, we thought, right, well, let's, let's discuss that first. Let's have some of these players going head-to-head to see who gets into consideration for the f- final top 12. So we decided that Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie and Ryan Jack would all get a bye. So that leaves three matchups for us. We, we, we ruled out Tom Roderick because he's just been playing less and less and been less influential. And I know he's still very good, but he's, he's kind of, he almost seems like he's got one foot at the door. His career's kind of stalled at Celtic. So he wasn't necessarily that fun to talk about. So the matchups are Joe Rebo against Scott Arfield, Glenn Kamara against uh, Stephen Davis, and Olivier and Cham against Scott Brown. Now, I know there'll probably be Celtic fans saying Scott Brown sh- and, and in Cham or whatever should have got, got a buy over Ryan Jack, but no, I disagree. And I think, Joe, you would disagree as well? Yes, yes, but probably just, even though Ryan Jack uh, tailed, certainly tailed off the, before the postponement. He did, uh, with most of Rangers players. Yes, that, that's true. Uh, so yeah, so let's let's go through them. So let's start with Joe Rebo against Scott Arfield. Who have you got? I went for for Joe Rebo. Oh, we're gonna have a disagreement there. We're gonna have to come to some sort of resolution. Ah, okay, okay. I he is someone who, when I watch, I think. So I, I was torn here because when I watch Scott Arfield, I think this is a player who is playing basically at the top of the game. So he's Rangers. What he's produce, producing is probably about the the height. His ceiling, whereas Joe Rebo, sometimes watching him, he's a very frustrating player because you can clearly tell he's he's talented and that he's sometimes lets game, kind of drifts out of games. He doesn't really stamp his authority on games the way he perhaps should have, especially when he came from Charlton where he was captain and such a central cog in their promotion to the championship. So originally I was kind of edging towards Scott Arfield, but looking into a bit more, I think... I think when you consider Joe Rebo, I think he's got more, there's more to his game. He's, I think he's a better rounded player. There's more potential in terms of their output. I think actually Rebo's given Rangers more. When you, when it, when you just come down to numbers, Joe Rebo has, has, has given Rangers more than Scott Arfield this season. Has he though? Because they've both scored the same amount of goals in the exact same sort of amount of appearances. But Joe Rebo's uh, produced more assists. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, well, you you put on the reason why I didn't want uh, a Rebo, and I've I've got Arfield uh, reasonably high. Yeah, uh, not quite top half, but not too far off in my final list because I still think that he is somebody who insists himself on games very well. And Joe Rebo, like you said, just too much on the periphery for me of football matches. Somebody who definitely has talent, but for me doesn't necessarily show an awful lot. I also think he, he kind of lacks, a, I think his touch could do a bit of work, kind of the basics of the game in that sense as well. He's somebody who's about his movement in the final third, but I think he's found it hard to adjust to playing for Rangers in Scottish football, where movement in the final third is much more congested than you would be if you were playing for a Charlton, even though they were one of the best teams in League One in his last season. I don't think he has been helped by the change in position because he, sometimes he's played that number 10 position sometimes he's played as a as a number eight sometimes played slightly wider uh deeper so he has been moved around so i, I don't think he's had that continuity uh continuity <laughs> continuity in uh 
in a specific position, which has helped him. But when, when you actually look at his output, he's heavily involved because so we went into this because I was so, uh, I was so split between Arfield and Aribo, I went into why Scott had to look at the stats. Aribo was very heavily, heavily involved in goal. So not only has he may had seven league assists, according to the SPFL, he's also had uh, numerous second assists as well. So, I mean, Mike Folk will roll their eyes when saying second assists, but it just means that he's been involved in a lot of goals. So he's not played that killer pass, but he's played the pass before it. So a lot of play, uh, play does go through him. He... As one of the, he's the central midfielder with the most touches in the opposition box, so he does get into those positions. He probably should score, uh, should score more goals. What's gone against him for me is I don't think he has dominated games the way has maybe his, his physique, his size, the way Gerrard's talked him up, as uh, perhaps uh, kind of gone against him. But you have to look at someone still very young coming into Scotland, playing different positions, and he still had. Our season. I'm trying to think how we could break this tie tiebreaker. Um, well, where, where about where about in the list did you have Scott Arfield? I've got a rebo. I've got a rebo seven, but I could certainly push him eight. We could we could we could just we could just say that's our eighth pick. No, no, no. Let's bump Arfield then. Uh, I have, right, I'm going to pick, put Aribo somewhere else. Right. Right, so Aribo wins that. Next up, Glenn Kamara against Stephen Davis. Stephen Davis. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, I, he's just got more strengths to his ball than Kamara really kind of hasn't he? he? Kamara's a brilliant kind of link man, a brilliant man for keeping possession. He's very composed in the ball. He uses the flexibility in his hips very well to to get away from danger and to, to turn potentially, you know, scary scenarios, scenarios where the other team could win the ball high up and immediately turn it into a counter-attack. But Stephen Davis, is he not only can, can do some of that stuff from the base of midfield where he's been playing mostly for Rangers since he came back, you can also see that he's still got some of the dynamic player that he was when he left first time. Obviously, now that he's in his mid-30s, he can't be that, that sort of kind of box-to-box player. Uh, sometimes playing in the centre, sometimes playing on the right, goal-scoring, really impactful in the final third midfielder. But you can see the fact that he can make those long-busting runs forward sometimes. He's got enough dynamism still about him to to get about the the defensive third and to put pressure on opposition players. And he just... You see the best of Glenn Kamara in Europe and probably not in Scottish football just because his style probably doesn't suit it as much as Stephen Davis does. Yeah, Glenn Kamara is. It's been an interesting season for him. He has. Whereas Stephen Davis has largely been pretty steady, pretty consistent. Uh, Kamara's had. He has a, has a lot of peaks and troughs, and probably more so troughs uh, just because of. Well, in, in my head, just because of recency bias. Davis, especially at the start of the season, I thought it was excellent. I remember a game against Hibs, the 6 1 game. He was he was just outstanding. He had a, I think it was a cracking assist in that game. I, like I said, I think he's, he's he's more consistent. He's more reliable in that in that midfield and gives Rangers a wee bit more. I think Kamara's uh, good at keeping the ball. Won't play that penetrative pass. Davis loses the ball a bit more, but because he is looking to force play and he's he, he's happy to try a bit longer. 
go from the centre midfield into attack a bit more. Yeah, he certainly has a better range of passing. So, right, we're, we're pretty much set on that one. So, the final one, the two Celtic players, Olivier and Cham or Scott Brown? Scott Brown. Yeah, same for me. Um, I mean, Brown is talent to maybe waned a little bit in, in recent years. He is, you know, getting up in age, but he's still a, a very effective spoiler in front of the Celtic defence. He's still got a great physique. He can still get about the place, fair enough. I mean, he's not... He's not as rapid as he was in his 20s, but there's still a decent amount of movement there. He's, he doesn't quite stand out as much in Neil Lennon's system as he did under Brendan Rodgers, where he was pretty much the kind of... I don't, I don't know if the archetype's the right word, but you, you saw him starting a lot of moves because everything seemed to go through him in the centre of the park in terms of moving play from, from one end of the field to another, usually while there was a, a forward you know, almost draped on his back that Brown didn't even seem to notice or, or, or care about. He does that less and less, but he, can, he still has that in his locker as well. And he's just, you know what you're going to get from Scott Brown. The reason why I didn't go for Olivier Cham, and I could, I'd imagine you're pretty much the same. I mean, he's more, he's more talented. He's more of a match winner. He's more versatile than Brown. But, I mean, how many times does, uh, does Olivier and Cham have games where it's just like, did he, was he even playing? He, he just, he often plays within himself, I think, as well, even when he's actually playing well. I don't think he's fully realised the, the capabilities he has on a football park because with the, the talent he has, he should really be dominating Scottish football on a weekly basis and being like conversations for Player of the Year award. And he's not at that because I, I think his focus is lacking quite a lot of times. He, he often doesn't turn up for for games where it often doesn't turn for games where it might not be a kind of sexier opponent. And I remember, I've said this before on the podcast, but I remember when he was excellent in that old form game at Ibrox where Celtic were reduced to 10 men and he just dominated the midfield. And then I think it was the very next week they're away to Motherwell. Motherwell had a man sent off and, and Cham was just, I mean, he may as well have not been there for the entire game. He was so poor. And that kind of sums up a lot of his time at Celtic. I think he's been a bit better at that this season but still has the tendency to kind of drift away and not apply himself to, to 100%. Yeah, I can't add much more. Scott Brown is he's still, the, he's still Celtic's talisman. I think you, you, you can't not have him in the top 12. You look at Cham, scoring the winner at the Olympico. He has talked about Kamara having peaks and troughs, but I think uh, in Cham even more so just because you know how uh, how much quality and talent he, he possesses. Right, we should also say as well, before we get to the top 12, that David Turnbull doesn't count because he hasn't played enough games this season. Mm-hmm. I take you followed that method? Uh, I forgot about that method, but I, I ruled him out just because of his, uh, his, his injury and the fact that he's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's played injured. twice. Yeah. And uh, obviously Peter Haring doesn't count as well. No, no. I I went onto the Hearts Wikipedia page just to just to check the midfield and I just laughed. <laughs> yeah, nobody else uh, came anywhere near my top. Uh, I think I had, had nineteen names and you had twenty three. And yeah, there was no Hearts player anywhere. No. Them. Right, who's your number twelve? <laughs> right, have you got so two I, players? Because I've got three, but I think I'm going to make a choice at the end. I've I've got I've got um I've got four. <laughs> So, so I, I'll just I'll just quickly eliminate them. Uh, I'll eliminate two of them. So Sam Foley for St Mirren. Yeah, good player, but not no not no. Yeah, I, I I really like him. I think he's been a really smart signing for for St Mirren. He uh, 
we, we talked about it last last season about midfielders who are very good at picking up on loose balls, intercepting, getting up on um, closing down uh, players. He's he's that he's that player, Gary Dicker. I, I no, I, I didn't. He, well, I did. He was on my long list, hmm. but uh, I looked at him and another Kelly player that I think we'll mention. And I kind of uh, what I did was because I was familiar with both their games already. Hmm. So I went on the Kelly website, the Kelly fans website, and I looked through every single. Man of the Match award poll that they put up uh, to see what who Kelly fans thought had a better season. And out of the two, I mean, the other one would just say Alan Power. Out of the two, Alan Power had a, has had a much better campaign. Okay, so I this is this is very much me of games I've watched Kilmarnock, and I've always been always been very impressed with Gary Dicker. His his passing is it's kind of the way he can move the ball very quickly and. Just his presence. I think it was certainly swayed by recent. I think the recent game against uh, Rangers. I thought he was just he was just absolutely tremendous. But again, he doesn't he doesn't make my uh, top twelve. He was a Kilmarnock player I I picked out because I remember speaking about him on the view from the terrace at the start of the season. Power El McCreaney and Dicker, and I thought they weirdly worked really well together at times. Uh, so Dicker was Dicker's my preferred by game. Uh, he he doesn't make it. Now this is this this is tricky. This is tricky. So the last two find out for twelfth place are Greg Dorkey and Marvin Bartley. I I don't have Bartley either. Uh, I, again consideration, but there was just too much for me. Too much talented players on the list. I have Greg Dockerty much higher. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So I will. Uh, Swithers, just because Doherty, he's, he's down the list for me because he didn't get looking at Rangers. There has to be uh, there has to be a uh, consideration of that. Yes, and it was a small again small sample size at Hibs, but again he has had such an influence with Hibs, and I've he he, he made me realise. Well, he, he kind of opened my eyes to just how good a football player he is, because I always knew he was a very athletic player, as we've seen, as people may have seen on Twitter, of his uh, incredible time of doing a 5K. But I always knew he was that kind of player who could get around the pitch, and uh, he's got that stamina, he's got a physique, he's got the kind of uh, power as well. But what I didn't, didn't appreciate was his passing is really good, his control is really good, and just his, his understanding of a game is really good. However, again, small sample size, the derby, uh, a recent game in the Derby he passed him by completely so that, that went against him whereas Marvin Bartley has been one of the signings this season Livings have to remember they're, they're, they're fifth and he's a big reason for that he is again when you look at Livingston signings they've made they've signed players who fit into their philosophy their system Marvin Bartley is one of those and I think he's got a real new uh, lease of life in the since moving that, he, that was actually why I kind of discounted Marvin Bartley because I thought he's in the perfect scenario for him. If you, if right, you put okay. him on like most other teams in the league, like he was, he was on a, a, the Hibs team last season and didn't look very good. And uh, if you put him on a, a lot of other teams, I think he might have struggled as well. And Livy, it's the perfect scenario for him. So I, I kind of give him a kind of poorer marks because of that. But he has been he has been great this season and proved a lot of people wrong who thought he was finished. But yeah, he, again, similar to Docker, he. he I think he showed at Livingston how uh, he, how he's much more than just this battering ram, this uh, dominating presence who's going to break up play. That he's got a lot more kind of craft and guile to his game when he has the ball. He's he looks he looks a lot quicker than he ever did at Hibs. So 
I've, I've really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed watching uh, Marvin Bartley, and uh, I think he he edges into my my top twelve ahead of Greg Dorothy. Oh, wow, so you don't even have Docherty in your top twelve? No, go. no. They, which is sensible because I wrote I wrote an, um, before Hibs fans go mental. I wrote an article. Uh, I've got another Hibs player in in my top twelve, but I wrote an article on Docherty and just how how big an impact he's made. But again, it's just because of the the competition and the the fact that Rangers Stephen Gerrard didn't see fit to use them. Obviously, they've got a lot of uh, options and the small sample size. I just. I just I just find it too too difficult to put them in the top twelve. I would like to, but right. So my number twelve. Uh, I'm just I had three players, but I'm just going to. I've made my decision. I'm going to go for Alan Power at number twelve. I think okay. he's he's just Mr. Consistent in Scottish football. He's continued to be like that. He he didn't look great at the start of the season where he had a couple of poor performances. I think one of them maybe it was against uh, Nomads where Craig Anderson said it was like his first performance against Air where he was rotten. But he's just continually there or thereabouts when Kilmarnock fans are picking the best player in any particular game. He's not the, the flashiest of players, certainly no. not. He's uh, he does he just does his job very well. He he moves play quickly. He, he's great in the he's great. Well, he's, he's tough as fuck. He, he's great in the tackle. He's he's smart with the ball and he can get around the park as well. I've always I'm kind of like you. I've always preferred Gary Dicker as a player to power. But I'm going to go in the word of the Kelly fans and that Powers had a better season. This means there's two players on my list who I really thought I was going to pick, but they have been left out. But I'm, going to, um, I'm not going to name them yet. I'm going to see if you are going to name them. I'm okay. certain you're going to name one of them. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to go for Alan Power as my pick. So who's your number 11? My number 11 is Alex Gogic. See, I don't have him. He was, the other, he was one of the other players. Yeah. So again, going back to, to, to Doherty, the thing about this, I'm always going to come back to Doherty here because I think Doherty could be uh, could easily be ahead of my next one, two, three, four players in the list, or sorry, five including Gogic. But with, with Gogic, is what came into my consideration is how important he has been to Hamilton, and uh, every time I've watched, I've seen Hamilton, whether it's against Hearts uh, in person or, uh, or 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 watching him on Y Scout is that he's the one player who has never really dropped below a, a, a good performance. So he's either been good, he's been very good, or he's been, been excellent. The big thing for, for Gogic, I think he's found a position which he's just been consistently played in, centre midfield, and the, what Brian Riggs wants from is ideal for his... his um, his, his qualities, he is he's not great on the ball. I think we looked at it before with his, his passing accuracy and it was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty low. To be fair, Hamilton in general, their passing accuracy is, is, is very bad in terms of keeping possession. And they're worst in the, I think they're worst in the league for it. But he's so good at spoiling a game. I remember Andy Harrow saying when he looked at clips, he's like, he, he couldn't really, it was, it was hard to, to find like, just uh, those action action clips that we we like it's just because he doesn't really he's not never really on the ball he's stopping the ball he is uh, he's stopping the opposition his position is excellent so you talked about it on the you talked about it on the uh, the signings podcast we did with Rob earlier this week where Michael Stewart you talked about him rushing out and uh, rushing out to players and making it easy to play against. Alex Gogic is a complete opposite. He, he knows when to stand. He knows he knows when to sit and press, and he predicts the back four very well. Even when he drops into the back four, he is uh, 
he's just that committed player that Hamilton needs. And he, while they may miss a kind of talismanic forward player like David Temple and Ali Crawford, he's developed into that, which has been uh, which has been useful in big games. Yeah, I can't really add much to that. I think Rod uh, uh, Gogic has been just been excellent in front of Hamilton's back four. And I did want to pick him, but there was just too many players to pick from. Yep. My number 11, I've already said that, we've already talked about him, Joe Rebo. I've got him so low down just because of the reasons that I didn't want to pick him over Arfield and that I just think he drifts out of games far too much. And he can, yep, fair enough, he does. He maybe does impact things in the final third. Maybe... I'm maybe being biased against Rebo because I watched clips of him before he arrived and he was like one of the main players who stood out to me in all the players I watched in the summer that were, that were coming into the Scottish Premiership. And I really thought he was going to be excellent and I don't think he's quite been excellent. So I've maybe turned against him because of that. But he still needs to do more in general play for me. And I still think he needs to do more in the final third as well. He does have, I think it is nine, is it nine goals or eight goals? But it isn't. But he is playing for Rangers, and in is, all in all competitions, it is in all competitions. It's nine goals. Yeah, it's nine goals, oh, which is a decent. It is a good return, but it's it's still all competitions, and I think he's kind of bloated his stats as well with some goals against some pish teams. Like I think he scored in the League Cup against. He scored. He scored against St Joseph's and Progress near Corn and yeah. East Fife. Yeah, well, uh, I guess so. That kind of helps them as well. So yeah, so maybe being harsh, but uh, uh, that's why I've got him so low down. Who's your number 10? So, yeah, a Rebo. All right, okay, cool. Um, don't need anything else to him. My number 10, this is going to be very low for you and you're going to get offended by this. My number 10 is Ali McCann. Fucking hell. <laughs> so, just, 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 just to give, just give you a spoiler, I've wrote down the old firm players who are clear at the top and then it was basically just Ali McCann and then just filling it back from there. <laughs> You're the biggest Ali McCann fan in the world, including St. Johnson fans, I would say. Right, Ali McCann's great. Right, the next three players, I right. So there's one player that I I just prefer to McCann, and I'll get on to him when I I talk about him. So there's nothing really I could say about McCann that I think that's bad. I just think this guy's better and okay. has has maybe more strings to his bow. And I, I prefer watching him more as well. And there's another player who, another player's Greg Dockery, who I just fucking love. And, and again, I'll, I'll wax lyrical about him. But so McCann's in a cluster of three players. That I found it very, very hard to separate the three, and I could easily mix them about. I think McC- I think McCann maybe something to go against him is maybe the smaller sample size. The fact it's his first season that maybe you know elevates his reputation a bit more. I will admit as well, I've not seen enough of him this year as I probably should have done. And that's maybe gone against him as well because I have seen these other two players more and that's probably why I like their games more. But I like McCann. He's he's somebody who, for 20 years of age, every time he walks out on the pitch, he just another guy who just seems to do everything right. But unlike Alan Power, he has a bit more to his game. He's very, he can get up and down the pitch more. He can impact in the final third more. He's... He's very terrier-like off the ball, tenacious, 20 years old in his first full season. He's, you know, there's, there's so much ahead of him and he should go on to be a, an excellent top flight player. Well, he already is an excellent top flight player, but he should go on to be a proper standout at this level and earn himself a, a pretty good move somewhere as well. But, sorry, I just, there's just too many good players on this list. I'll uh, I'll save my rebuttal until way higher. Okay, so who's your number nine? My number nine. So I think the I, I think the two players you mentioned uh, are coming up for me, and the first one is Alan Campbell. 
Yep. Hi up. So Campbell was the Motherwell midfield. They had a lot of options, and so you had you couldn't obviously discounted uh, David Turnbull. Liam Polworth has had great numbers. Liam Donnelly on the face of it, good numbers, but I have I think we both have our suspicions about him as a Donnelly's, a, a Donnelly's overrated because of his goals. Yeah. He's not uh, he's a defensive, not a defensive midf- midfielder. No. Whereas Alan Campbell, again, I'm a massive fan, and you you mentioned that there where you talk about watching a player and just really enjoying his approach and attitude to the game. Campbell has Campbell's spot on. With that, there's, 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 there's not much else I can say in terms of uh, to to add to what we said about Campbell before. Is that he has he's a lot of strings to his bow. He can be destructive. He can be box to box. I would like to see him score more goals. I would like to see him impact the game in the final third a bit more. But obviously, it's it's difficult when you have when you have players when it goes through players like Polworth and uh, and and David Turnbull that. Alan Campbell's not quite the uh, water carrier, but he is is someone who, um, he, he, he's, he's someone who you kind of build through. He can carry the ball. He's actually scored six this season, which is actually more than I than, than I thought he had. But yeah, I was going to actually argue with that point, but I was going to save it for when, when I got to talk about Campbell myself. I just, I just, I just think he's he's a great terrier player. But the only thing I can say. What, the only thing that goes against him for me, and that is why he's dropped down a wee bit, is that he's he's not quite kicked on the way I hoped or thought he would in the last uh, in the last kind of year, eighteen months. Because when he, I think we had him in the list two years ago, and I thought, right, this guy is this guy is is perfect for uh, to, to step up. I I really thought he was going to be he'd be like the ideal replacement for John McGinn at Hips. I thought he had. Those qualities that uh, that, that that could replace in uh, in the hips midfield, it's it's not quite kicked on from yet. But again, he's still only twenty one. He's still well, twenty two in July. And uh, again, I'm a massive fan, but just simply, I prefer players higher up the list. My number nine. I don't think you have him on your list. Okay. I don't think because you, you you must have somebody. There must be somebody not on your list that I've got in mind because of the players you've read out so far. Mm. And I can only think it's this guy because I think we'll mention everybody else. Uh, or no, there's one we haven't mentioned, but I'm certain he's going to be on your list. Uh, and that is Scott Pittman at Livingston. Yes. So he was on my long list. And again, Livingston, I think Livingston deserves a representation in the top 12. I'm a massive Pittman fan, but over the season, I thought Bartley has been better. I mean that could that could be fair. I just I I prefer Pittman as a as a player. Again, he's kind of he's a bit more kind of the three players that I told I said were kind of similar. I think Pittman is more attacking the three, maybe more at home in in the final third. I think he works excellently with Lyndon Dykes as kind of the most. He doesn't really play as a number ten, but he's often the most advanced of Livingston's three centre midfielders. He's a threat around the opposition box. He's He's very composed with the ball. He links play terrifically well. He's another one. He's, he's also deceivingly fast as well. He's quite quick uh, for a centre midfielder, something that maybe in Scottish football centre midfielders don't get to show it quite a lot, but he can certainly do it when he's making the kind of runs beyond dykes or he's you know sprinting into space, which is something he's excellent as well, picking these 
spots around the final third. If there was anything I was going to criticise on, because of the fact that he's so good at linking play and so, uh, linking with Dykes and getting beyond the forward, he should probably score more goals than he does. I think he's only got six this season, and that's mm-hmm. not, not terrible, but it, it probably should be better. I was just distracted momentarily because I had uh, my list written in my notes and I've been holding it on my phone and I think I've just deleted it by mistake. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, right, you give me your number. You can talk more about Pittman you like and you can give me your number eight while I try and remember what my list was. Okay, yeah. So, interesting when you said Pittman, he should score more goals. Um, well... I need to correct myself that I, I, okay, Campbell's probably he's, he's actually he's he's uh, scored more goals than uh, than than I thought. These type of players that because of the team the teams they play for they play one up front. The type of players they are that they can they can get up and play really well. They are really quick at reacting to stuff, and they're they're, they're just good football players as well. That you kind of you, you it, it's ambitious, but you kind of be pushing for them to get. 10 goals a season. That might have happened. That might have happened to Campbell. That might have happened to Pittman in the final, uh, final, final weeks of the final weeks of this uh, of the season. Yeah, that's true. And again, I'm going to contradict myself here, but there's reasons for it. So my number eight is Lewis Ferguson. Yes, he is my number eight as well. Uh, so Lewis Ferguson, he's only scored in all competitions this season. You talk about uh, goals. He's only scored three in 38 games, which is actually a really poor return. But I think there should be a cat. One, one thing I would like to just interject and say about Ferguson is that I don't think he's suited for playing higher up the pitch as Aberdeen have been using him a lot of this season. So yes, you, you, you can make that criticism and say he should be contributing more because he's somebody else. It's, he's he's somebody else that's quite good at picking up space. But for me, he's good at picking up space kind of all over the park. <laughs> he's, he really use, uses the width of the pitch well to, to go find areas where he can take the ball and he can, he can move it forward or link with teammates, keep possession. And I just... Aberdeen kind of shoehorning him into that number 10 spot, which he's played a fair few times and probably actually at least half of this season. I just don't think it suits him that well and he's probably suffered as a result. No, so yeah, exactly. That's, that was my caveat that he has been moved further up the pitch because last season he last season he was the probably the deepest of the midfielders when he played and now he's been moved into a, a 10 position. I think there's been a period of uh, adaption because for Period to this uh, sort of uh, for a large period of this season, he was he was pretty he was pretty mediocre. But I think he was kind of just adjusting to adjusting to the demands. Uh, he was starting to really impress the, the goal against St. Mirren in the Scottish Cup, the performance against Hibs. That you can kind of see him getting used to what was expected from him in that position. But I just like his all round approach to the game, similar to, to Campbell. But he's he's more. Um, He's a bit of a bastard on the pitch, and I, I, I like that just in terms of getting in people's faces, being very combative. In the refs here as well, he just uh, constant. And he's, he's twenty, so he plays with he plays with uh, both immaturity and maturity. So he, he does seem like he's 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 been around a lot longer than he's uh, than his age, but um, but he's still got that yeah, kind of youthful exuberance. The big thing for me was I think he's. I think he's a bit more for an intelligent player than some of the players who have have been mentioned. And got a wee bit of a higher ceiling. Yeah, probably he. He's well. He's that you talked about. Um, 
like he's a bit of a bastard on the pitch. I've, I think you've, it's McCann's kind of like this as well, but it, it's rare to see somebody so young just have so much confidence on a on a football field, and in every game that he plays, he always just looks like he belongs, and he's looked like that pretty much since he, he first went to Aberdeen after coming through at Hamilton. And it gets some. I've seen like Celtic fans uh, because Celtic fans especially don't like him because of who his dad and uncle are, and the fact he plays for Aberdeen as well. I've seen Celtic fans like refer to him as thick, like he, he like he. I mean, he doesn't look like he, he's going to, you know, win, you know, mastermind of that. But he, having heard him speak, he's actually like quite a, a clear and concise person in what he wants to talk. He's not like a complete idiot in front of the in front of the microphone. He seems actually quite a switched on guy as well. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that in part of his overall makeup in that he's just just got he's got so many. So many attributes that it's a shame for him that he's probably only going to get like about three Scotland caps because of <laughs> just the incredible talent in front of him for the national game. But he does have he does have youth on his side. He's still only twenty years old. Incredibly, he's he's going to be eligible for Young Player of the Year award for the next two seasons still, if if they happen. Right, who have you got at number seven? Number seven. It's uh, moved a page there. So number seven is Scott Allen. I don't have him on my list. What? Well, he's, he's far too flaky. Far he's too flaky. Flaky, flaky. He's other than other than uh, Ryan Christie's. He's the player in the uh, in the Premiership with the most goals and assists combined. No, well, still too flaky, mate. <laughs> the, the type of uh, this is this is something I don't get. Is, uh, this is Hibs fans sometimes make uh, I not make criticism but critiques of, of, of Alan at times. That, that's, it's, let me, let me, to button, that was probably why I, I didn't have him. He, he was one of the three players that was deciding along with Power and Gogic for the number 12 and I was going to, I was actually going to go with Alan uh, and then I changed my mind for Power because Power just kind of had the consistency and maybe I should maybe I should uh, Put more stock in goals and assists rather than consistency, but or talent. You could you can make you could put more stock in just genuine <laughs> football talent. He does have he does he, oh, he definitely has more talent, but he just doesn't show it a lot. And he's been he's not had a, a particularly great season by his standards, even with those goals and assists. He's just there's too many too many matches where he gets you know taken off and he's ineffective and it's it's maybe not been the easiest Hibs team to play in obviously with the struggles under Heckenbottom and you know the fact that they've only really got one decent striker left and well I've pretty much only had one decent striker for most of the season so that's maybe not helped him as well but there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of attacking talent on that Hibs team and he's just it's Hibs fans rightly moan about him an awful lot he's He's just been not that good in a lot of matches, and I I wanted to punish him for that. So I'm just I'm just going to go through through games here. The winning goal against St Mirren opening day of the season, the assist for Darrell Horgan against Rangers. He scored he scored goals against Ross County, Livingston, which have earned Hibs a point. He scored an absolute brilliant goal in the four one win at St Johnston. There was the uh, there was a fantastic assist for Martin Boyle against Aberdeen. Two assists. For Martin Boyle and the hips, uh, the, the Hearts win. He scored uh, scored against St Mirren. Uh, I, th- I, think, I think those I think those assists were by Christoph Berra and Loic Demore. He was he was the one playing the passes. <laughs> he was he played the pass for Christian Deutsch in the last league game before before the postponement. I think he 
he comes up with he comes up with big moments. He comes up with key moments. He's just a, he's a fantastic player. He sees passes that he sees passes that no one else does, and he's through. He's actually through ball accuracy uh, for someone who plays him so much. I think it's it, certainly it's in the top five or even top three of the league. I I think he's one of those players that would fall into the would fall into luxury player, but you you allow him to have that because of those moments of uh, brilliance that he can create. Where games are shit or scrappy, like the St. Mirren game, first game of the season, it was so, so bad. St. Mirren sat in, they really frustrate Hibs. Christian Dodge missed a few sitters. And then Scott Allen came up with, uh, came up with the goods. And I think he, he more than anyone else, does that for, for Hibs when games are, are, are rubbish and you don't expect him to, uh, to, to thrive in them. Yeah, he has, he has rubbish games, but I think it's more noticeable when he has a rubbish game than Alan Power has a rubbish game because. People are so used to seeing him produce this, um, produce these passes, or because of his talent, which is much, much higher than, than the likes of power. Okay, you've, you've talked me into him. I'm going to change my list on the fly. I'm going to insert Allen at number 11. Got to bump power off and a rebels down to, to 12. But I'm not putting him above anybody else. Not putting him above Ali McCann. Not putting him above Scott Pittman, Lewis Ferguson. Not doing it. He just, you can't rely on him as much as you can on those players. And they've all been excellent. And I wouldn't say Scott Allen, despite those stats, has had an excellent season. He's just an excellent player. This is the best. The best off list. The best off list. Right. So my number seven is the best midfielder at Hibs, undoubtedly, Greg Dockery. Right, okay. <laughs> Greg Dockery, I just think fucking magic. And you were right about what the points you said earlier that it's been a small sample size and maybe the fact that Gerard doesn't really fancy him that much should count against him. But I think he's better than Scott Arfield. I think he, he should be I think he should be playing in that Rangers team. I I thought he was an excellent player at Hamilton. I thought he looked very good when he first went to Rangers. Yeah, he maybe didn't I mean there was criticism for Rangers fans after the Hearts game saying he goes missing in these big matches because he didn't perform in a couple of games against Celtic. Yeah, but that was a shit Rangers team playing against Brendan Rogers Celtic. Maybe cut him a little slack for that, especially when he'd only moved about two months earlier. And I think he should. I think he deserves a better chance at Rangers than the one he's had. Gerard's barely given him a shot at all, and I just don't understand it because he's an excellent player, somebody who, yeah, as you've talked about earlier, incredible, incredible runner. Not just off the ball, with the ball as well. He can really drive through teams with the ball at his feet. Uh, somebody who's tough. Somebody who can who can make goals happen and can score goals himself. I just he's. Such, such a good player. I just don't understand what Gerard doesn't see in him. And yeah, I'm going against my own kind of, I'm always contradicting myself, but I don't care. He's just that fun to watch. I really wish he wasn't at Hibs. Well, uh, the, what, what we've been told, uh, Fowler, is that he could have been a heart spot. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to pretend that's not true. I don't want to think about that. It's too depressing. I, I can't really, I can't add much more to what you said or what I said earlier on. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge, fan, huge fan of Dockery. I, I get, even more so than I was before because I, I do like, I do like players who are just, um, who are physically, uh, physically just better than other positions. You just, you just tell he's, he's just really professional. He looks after himself really well. But I'm just, I just got to admit, I underrated how good a football player he was. Right. Who's your number six? My number six is Ali McCann. 
Right, give me, give me your give me your uh, diatribe back at me, and then <laughs> and then we'll, we'll move on. So I think Alan, I think first of all, I think Scotland uh, missed a trick. I've missed a trick in not uh, capping him at under twenty one, or, or certainly uh, making that case because he's he's now a Northern Ireland, a Northern Irish uh, cap. I don't think he's got a full cap, but certainly in youth teams, and he signed a new deal in before January, which was a massive piece of business for St. John's because I think that he is going to get them at least seven, uh, sorry, I was going to say at least seven figures. If he's going to get them eight figures, I don't think that's, that's quite going to happen. But I remember Tommy Wright coming out early in the season and he said, he was talking up Alan McCann about him being at the base of midfield. I watched him against, it was after the Hibs game, I think the 2-2 game. And I watched him, I was, I was like, ah, he's okay. He was useful. He kept the ball. And then Tommy Wright came out after and said that he's a one player who uh, who usually plays a bit further forward, but he's had to move him back because he's a one player who's really good at switching play, who is getting on the getting on the ball and kind of uh, dictating stuff for St. Johnson. So then after that, I paid a bit more attention to him, and I thought he was just he, I just I was just so impressed with everything that he did, both with the ball and without it. He is. I just, I just love a midfielder who wins the ball back and who's got a determination that when the ball is lost or when it goes goal side of him, he works his ass off to get it back. Contrast to, for example, someone like Stevie Mallon, Ali McCann's antithesis of that. He, he, he does that. He's got that. He's got the willingness put, uh, to put in that. Even that four-one defeat to St. Uh, to Hibs early in the, uh, kind of November time. He was still St. Johnson's best player and he didn't have a bad match. I asked Tommy Wright afterwards and Tommy Wright was just so effusive in his his praise of him. Then, as the season went on, he's been moved further forward and then at such a young age to be be the one key player, the the one player who stands out who doesn't have a bad game in a shit St. Johnson team who's the midfield's kind of built around and then to be put into a more influential role further up the pitch and affect games the goal against Aberdeen, he uh, was excellent in the three-three draw against Hearts, and that he was now impacting games in an attacking sense with his energy to get into the box. And you, you just need to go wise uh, just to see how involved he is in uh, defensive duels and progressive runs and kind of just getting on the ball. He's someone who has got all these attributes to be a fantastic number eight. He could play number ten. He could play number six. But probably his best is a number eight, so he's heavily involved box to box. I, I just love him. <laughs> really? Yes. Right, man, man number six is Alan Campbell. Now, what sets apart Campbell for me? So I would probably put Doherty above Campbell, if I'm being honest, but I've, I've, I had them two together, and that was where I did finally penalise Doherty for the small sample size and mm. not getting a game at Rangers. And so Campbell gets ahead of him. And what to me sets Campbell apart from McCann, Ferguson, and Pittman? Uh, Pittman more because he does more kind of further back than Pittman and he's obviously a stronger player, more, you know, more of a fighter, more kind of a better tackler, uh, for instance. But for me, I disagree with what you said about Campbell in that he maybe should do more to impact the final third. Even though he's only got six goals and six goals are still pretty decent, mm-hmm. I still think he impacts the final third more than these other players because he's such a just a driving force of nature that when he gets into those areas... He does make things happen. He maybe doesn't do it in a, a Scott Allen kind of subtle sense, but him just driving through in a straight run, barreling through, kind of the ball sometimes just bouncing off him or you know bouncing off a defender, it just seems to cause panic. And it does really get defences' backs up. And 
really helps Motherwell on an attacking sense, even if he's not playing that final pass or, or you know, having a shot. And he's just, again, like similar to Doherty, somebody who can run all day, somebody who's just got so much power on his running as well. He's a very unorthodox style as well, Alan Campbell. He looks like he probably shouldn't be a good footballer because of the way he moves, but he certainly is. And I also think as well, you say he maybe should have kicked on a bit. He's still only 21 years old. So I know, I know. And he's the best midfielder for a team who are third, are going to finish third in the, in the top flight. I would, what would add to, I didn't really say much about, about Campbell earlier on because if the, the, the more I would have talked about him, the more I would have built him up and it's like almost asked myself why I've got him, got him so low. Is I think Campbell is a player who, if you're watching him every week, or if you're watching, and even more so if you're watching him in person, you become more and more impressed with all the you know, facets of uh, facets of the game. It's like, I don't think he's um, a highlights player. I don't think he's someone that you can appreciate in highlights. I don't think he's someone that you can maybe appreciate by just going on the wide scout looking at stats. I think he is someone you have to appreciate when you're watching watching games and how his um, ability to connect the team together is uh, is so important to Motherwell. Okay, who's your number five? My number five, now we're getting to, most folk will be switching off because we're getting out to the, the old farm list. My number five is Stephen Davis. Right. I, I really couldn't separate these two. Scott Brown and Stephen Davis. Yes. So I've, I've got, I've made, basically I've got, I've got a 2-1-2. Two, two. A 2-1. Two, or sorry, a 2-2-1 two, 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 in terms of not quite being able, in terms of closeness. So Stephen Davis and like Scott Brown. Are my are my five uh, five and four? Yeah, I still don't get two two one one or whatever you're talking about, right? But then yeah, sorry, I'm and... just confused. I'm just confused myself and you <laughs> and the listeners. So right, so what made you pick Brown? Oh, so what made you pick uh, Brown over Davis? Long, I, I want to say I'm saying longevity just because of he's a captain of uh, the team who are squishing league once again. I think Brown is still. still for a team who wins, a team that wins constantly, that wins all these trophies, he is still there. He is the he's still the standard bearer. He still plays. Scott, uh, Neil Lennon is still reluctant because you, you look at you look at Brown, and think right, surely you're just gonna you won't play him against St Johnson home and give him a rest. But he plays him there because he he has those standards, those ex- expectations. Okay, he maybe doesn't. He may, may not be as influential on the ball as, say, Callum McGregor, Ryan, Kish, Ryan Christie, Christie etc. But Brown, I think when he plays, I think naturally Celtic game is better. In the long run, um, kind of mentally, because he's there and he is, he is leading. I think Stephen Davis is probably a better footballer. I really like Stephen Davis. I, I like the I like his range of passing. I like his the way he takes the ball in. But Scott Brown, I just don't think you should not underestimate Scott Brown at all. We've done it a few times in this on the podcast over the years and always been stung. Yes, and I think you've kind of convinced me. I didn't. I had initially I had Davis ahead of him, but I didn't really like it, and I wasn't too comfortable with it. And I think you've made a point that I didn't think of earlier, which is now going to put make me put Brown above him, which is that without Brown in the team, you do it is noticeable at, at Celtic. And I'm not sure it's quite as noticeable if Davis isn't there for Rangers. And I think that is what yeah. you see. It goes to his character. It goes to his 
it goes to his aura, really, as well. Aura for opponents, aura for other players in the Celtic team, and that they know that standards can't be be slipping if he's in the side. And I think last year I knocked him down quite severely because I thought that Celtic were better under McGregor uh, as the defensive midfielder, but that was in a different system under Brendan Rodgers where there was more emphasis on, you know, passing the ball. I mean, Lennon's Celtic team definitely passable, but they're a bit more direct. There's yeah. no doubt about that. They, they mix it up more than, than Rodgers' side do. And you know, arguably it could be, you know, more, enter- more entertaining to watch, especially the last couple of years of, of Rodgers' reign. And because of that, Brown now has kind of, I think, been his importance has now come to the fore much more again under under Lennon. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with him at number four. Uh, I think Davis we, we kind of talked about earlier. Yeah. Comparing the two, Davis, like I say, is more he's more versatile. He can go forward more. He can impact the game at that end of the park more than Brown can. But he's probably not as good, uh, you know, an enforcer in front of the back four as Brown is. Brown still is able to sniff out danger and, you know, pacify it all the time. Just be, just before we quickly move on, I think you made, uh, you made a good point. And when you talked about uh, McGregor, I think Celtic were a better team when Brown was out of the team and McGregor was in that in that position. I think over the last it's in the last two three years, not just us but Celtic fans uh, and pundits have been quick to write off uh, Scott Brown like, oh, Celtic have had a great game without him or a great couple of games without him. But in the long run. He always he always comes back into the team, and it always seems that in the long run, Celtic are a better team with with Scott Brown, despite having two or three games good games with him. Right, I'm going to assume we both got the same number three, Ryan Jack. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I don't know why I was going two, two, one. So yeah, Ryan Jack is Ryan Jack is not in uh, in close proximity to my number two or number one. No, no, me, me not for me either. But I do think. Jack, yeah, like you say, his performance has tailed off and maybe that's to do with Rangers as a whole starting to struggle. Maybe Rangers as a whole started to struggle because he did. But I I kind of want to just focus on the Ryan Jack of earlier in the campaign who kind of really turned himself into a complete midfielder. Somebody who was always very good at sitting at the base of the, the, base of the, the three midfielders, just being very composed on the ball, making intelligent passes, keeping the team in possession. Uh, could do enough of the, the kind of dirtier side of the game to get by in that as well. But this year, he's just become so much... Well, well not just this year, but kind of over the Stephen Gerrard reign, he's become so much more of a vertical player, breaking through the lines, making things happen in the final third, scoring goals, and he just really improved, especially up until like February. I thought he was one of the most improved players in Scottish football, having been pretty good last season as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's not much, uh, not much can add to it. It's similar to, similar to someone like Egg Dockery is that I think this season maybe appreciate that it was slightly underrated that he did have more to his game than someone who just, who just kept the ball, which he still does. He still does very well, but he impacts games, uh, impacts games further forward. But I think, I think this season, this is we, we I think we talked about it earlier in the season, if it was on the show or uh, on the podcast. I think this is this is his performances this season. That's his ceiling. I don't think he's going to find another level. Yeah, quite possibly not. He could maybe go up another level next campaign. Like if he does, if he has his peak for the entirety of a season, I think that's possible. I don't think he's going to become a Scotland regular or you know get a big money move to England or something like no. that. But I still think he's got a 
another slight level to, to go up in a ranger shot. Right, so number two. I wonder if we've both got the same here. I think we will have, but let, let me tell me your number two. Ryan Christie. Oh, wow. We do not have the same. How dare you, Joel Sked? Show you're working. Recency bias is, uh, is, 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 my work, is my working. Yes, the, uh, Christie did tail off a bit, didn't he, before the lockdown? But it, but contrast uh, like uh, contrasting Christie, Callum Gregor just was absolutely incredible. Uh, before it, it, as soon as he got back from uh, winter break, he was when you look at you look at Celtic when they went off. Uh, they got obviously got beat by Rangers. Kind of almost panic stations. They come back through winter break. They needed just they just needed someone to step up, be that be that steady promise, be that 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 talismanic figure. It's like this, right, guys? I've got this. Just follow my lead. We are. We're just going to get back to uh, not quite back to basics, but we're going to get, get uh, just get back, put string of results together, look for a key man, and that key man has been been Callum McGregor. He just he's been he was so good. So since the since coming back in the league, he's had one, two, three, four, five, five assists, one, two, three, four, six goals since coming back in January. And McGregor is the the type of player. When cars are down, he steps up, but he he steps up in sometimes almost an understated way. It's like there's there's no kind of bravado about it. He just like he just it's kind of his attitude's kind of just. I don't see what all the fuss is about. Fuck this, let's get going. <laughs> I just I to me one of the main reasons why I spot them apart was the performances for Scotland. I'd much rather have Ryan Christie playing for Scotland than I would Callum McGregor. Oh, I don't did a... Name me one, good Callum, the, name me one good Callum McGregor performance for Scotland. We're not talking about Scotland, we're talking about the we're, talk, uh, we're talking about two players in the Scottish Premiership. And yes, not the Scotland national team. Yes, and it's sometimes good to see that we've took, we've taken Europe into account. Why can't we take the Scottish national team performances into account? They're still the because they're not, playing for this, they're, not playing, uh, they're not playing for Celtic. It's still them playing. And that's a good way to, to judge them. Judge them outside their comfort zone, where Christie clearly but shines above McGregor. Rules. <laughs> I don't know, McGregor's got pretty much the same role and doesn't do it anywhere near as well. Just, I, just I, wait. I mean, we, we, we wrote off James Forrest for so long for Scotland. Just, just wait for Callum McGregor to, oh to God, come. I hope so. I hope so, because McGinn's actually starting to show something now. So if both McGregor and McGinn, and Christie looks good as well, they could all start playing well for Scotland and we might actually not be terrible forever. Uh, but and, and uh, this is another thing as well. I mean, I, I do. I just don't dislike watching Callum McGregor. McGregor's a, a very good player to watch in his own right. But I just I, I marvel at when I watch Ryan Christie. The the <laughs> Christie's more fun to watch. Yeah, his incredible ability to win back balls in high areas with the amount of pressing that he does and the, the work he puts in and the quickness. His ability to, I mean, both of them could score goals, but Christie, I think, is maybe just, I could be completely proven wrong by this by the stats, but I think Christie, you would say, is more lethal in the final third. Um, although, like I say, McGregor's not exactly completely shot shy himself, but he's, yeah, he's just, he's a more fun player to watch, and I'm not being swayed by the recency bias. You, you admitted recency bias on your part. I'm not being swayed by that. I've not taken that into as much account. And I, think was, I, was, I think you'd agree it's 1A and 1B. 
Yes, yes. So this this is where I'll say about two one two, and I just got confused with confused with the numbers. That it was uh, it, it's hard to separate Christie and, and McGregor. My concern for McGregor that it, it was quite a public concern. It's not me that had it. Was the amount of games he was playing, and I think probably the winter break came came at the perfect time from that he was able to not not quite just probably put his feet up and and relax because he still had a a winter training camp, but without that. The, the, the play and the Wednesday, it's like the Thursday, the Sunday, the Wednesday, the Saturday. I, I think it probably did take its toll because there was there was a story that stat that came out that he's uh, he's played some of the most games or most minutes in in European football, maybe world football. That just give him that relax, uh, that that rest to come back and re-energize. And I think he has re-energized Celtic when uh, when the when the chips are down. He has been the He's been the key player for Celtic to to elevate them, take them away from uh, take them away from from Rangers, and he does it in he does it in a different way than the likes of Ryan Christie and Scott uh, Scott Brown uh, Scott Brown do. But uh, yeah, there's there's we're, we're arguing over two excellent players. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, to, to actually back up the, the point I made earlier, Christie has 19 goals for Celtic this season. McGregor has 13, so they both score. A fair number of goals. Mm. Christie's just a bit more potent. Uh, he is a bit more advanced usually when he plays in McGregor as well, to be fair to McGregor. Right, that'll do us. Yes, I don't there's there, there's I think we've talked about thirty midfielders, so that's uh, I think that's that, that's enough. Everybody coloured, a lot of praise flying about. Right, thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more, head over to patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast where we're putting up a yeah, we're, we're sticking to our usual quota, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of new kind of shows, new types of shows we've been launching. So hopefully you've been enjoying those and give us feedback. So there's been the classic matches where we we rewatch some of the games, some classic games of mystery, talk about them, kind of break it down into categories. You know, the, the biggest hero in the day, you know, the biggest dumpling, you know, the biggest tactical mistake, things of that nature. We've also just started doing the least of our show. If you haven't checked it already, it was the last show previous to this one where we uh, re-re-signed uh, everybody from the 2007 uh, transfer summer transfer window, basically made a top 20 of the best signings from that time. And we'll be doing more of those. They'll be on the Patreon coming up as well. We've also got our, our classic Terrace 11s where we talk about the players who we've liked to talk about the most while we've been on the show. And also one-to-ones where each of us kind of takes our turn and kind of talks about our football background, our favourite players, you know, our our um, first games, uh, what we miss about football, things of that nature. So hope you're checking all that out. Patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, just to send us a message about this show or any other show, best way to do it is uh, Twitter.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. Joel, say goodbye. Rangers have released a statement. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, let's get stuck into this. <laughs> Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 